they uh, somehow expanded in population, they migrated to different areas. So these people knew that they were descendants of those people who were in the, in the ark with Noah. And this shows, because those people who were in the ark with Noah, they were very uh, committed believers. They were people who had believed in Noah very sincerely, and that's why they were boarded with him on the ark. However, you will see that when the, the descendants degenerate into something like the people of Ard or the people of Samud, Allah would not treat them differently from others. Not because you are descendants of, um, of the people who were on the ark with the Noah, I'm going to treat you differently. You are not chosen people. And actually, there are a group of people among the descendants of those who were in the ark with Noah whom Allah chose and made the chosen people, but later on, because of their own uh, transgression, Allah actually treated them in the same way. That is the the people of uh, the people who were descended from Ibrahim the Jews. In Surah Isra, about the Jews, Allah mentions that they were also descendants of those who were on the ark with Noah. The Banu Israel were descendants of those who were on the ark with Noah. However, of course, again, because they transgressed, because they did not heed the warnings of the prophets, we treated them in the same way as we treated everyone else. And this shows that uh, what is important uh, in the eyes of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is not where you come from, what is your lineage, who is your father. This is not important at all. What is important is that who you are at the moment, what is your actions, what is your quality, what are your qualities? This is the way Allah looks at you. So here, what Ad is reminding his people is that you were from the people who were on the ark with Noah. And the people who didn't board the ark, they were destroyed and Allah made you successors to them. And of course, they spread all over the earth, as I said. And here, art had migrated to the south. Remember when he made you successes after the people of Noah. And this is a great uh, mercy upon them that Allah had saved their fathers and had made them to, uh, to reproduce and to become huge in population and also one other thing first of all you were chosen you were chosen from among all those people who were destroyed with Nu and you were made khulafa successors the second thing is zadakum fil khalq basta increased you vastly in creation now fil khalq it may denote two different things in traditions, we have that people of Ard were people of extraordinary powers in, in their physical uh, construction. They were quite tall, quite powerful. One of them could, could hit, could bang the mountain with their feast and, 
punch it and break it. This is how strong they were. And that is why no people could ever defeat Ad. They were very strong. Uh, and as, as we had uh, we have in Surah Shu'ara, وَإِذَا بَطَشْتُمْ بَطَشْتُمْ جَبَّارِينَ When you attack, you attack ruthlessly. No one is saved when you attack. And this shows their power. Now, this power actually made them transgressors. This power made them to forget Allah. They became arrogant. And here, the same thing, the same concept which made them arrogant is brought to their attention that this is what Allah has given you. So you have to thank him rather than to become arrogant. And this is a good lesson for all of us, I think. Because usually when we have things which make us somehow standing out compared to others, we become arrogant. We think that this, this is something that we have, no one else has. And then we say, well, how should I... How should I worship Allah despite all my powers, despite all my qualities? No one has this. And this is brought to their attention that because you have given this, you have to worship Allah more than others. You have to thank him more than others. And this is the seerah we see in prophets, actually, as against the shaitan. The prophets are given a superiority over all other people in terms of their knowledge and in terms of their powers. Remember when Suleiman asked uh, his companions to bring the throne of, uh, of Belqais, uh, when the, the pious man Asaf said, I will bring it to you in a blink of an eye. And when it was there, before uh, even thinking, uh, Suleiman thinking about what he said, the, 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 the arsh, the, the throne was there, قَالَ هَذَا uh, this is the grace of my Lord. He wants to try me to see whether I'm thankful or I become a kafir because of what I have under my control. Because of these people, these very powerful people who obey me, who are under me. I say, well, look what I have. So why should I worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? This is the way we usually face Allah. And then because of this, Allah puts us, puts, puts us on trials, gives us hardship so that we return. And in that hardship, we even become even more kafir. We say, well, Allah is not treating us well, so we don't want this. What is this? What sort of God is he? At any rate, he has given you this increase in powers, in creation. And khalq, as I said, it may be mean physical, it also means other amenities which Allah had given them. Allah. So remember Allah's bounties. Because they had lots of bounties. Remember that these are Allah's bounties, not that what you have uh, created for yourselves. So that you may be felicitous. And this shows it's only by remembering the bounties of Allah that we may become felicitous. If we forget that the bounties are from Allah, of course we would lose direction. We lose our bearings. Now, what were, was their reply? They said, have you come to tell us that we should worship Allah alone? 
and abandon what our fathers have been worshipping. Then bring us what you therein, what you threaten us with, should you be truthful. Bring us what you threaten us with means that there's no argument between us anymore. We cannot talk, we cannot argue, we cannot uh, talk rationally with each other because you are saying something very strange. You are saying something against whatever we believe to be right and correct. So there is no argument between us. If you say there is a punishment, bring it to us. Now, what was so strange for them? What was so strange? That we worship Allah alone and abandon what our fathers have been worshipping. This was apparently very strange for them. That nothing besides Allah should be worshipped. As it's very strange for us in a way that nothing except Allah should be relied upon. Nothing except Allah should be trusted. It seems somehow strange to us. But uh, of course we do not worship anything besides Allah, inshallah. However, what was strange for them was this uh, long-lasting culture that you cannot worship only one God because one God has the authority over one part of creation as we, we talked about. Arbab, Rabbul Alameen and the Arbab that they believed in. In the Quran, this is repeatedly mentioned about many different nations in different times of the history. That's very interesting. For example, the people of Quraysh, the, the, the Kuffar of Quraysh, they brought exactly the same argument against the prophets. In Surah Qaf, Is he telling us that we should not worship only, but only one God? This is a very strange thing. This is amazing. Uh, in terms of, uh, it's actually funny that he tells us we have to worship only one God. And then the mala, well, now, of course, we know what's the meaning of mala, the people of power and authority. They went, they told everyone that you have to uh, be steadfast on your gods. We haven't heard of such a thing in our uh, past culture, in our forefathers' culture. This is certainly something made up by him. Now, this was, of course, with Quraysh. Now here with Ad, which is several thousand years, uh, were, were living several thousand years before them, they say exactly the same thing. That we worship only Allah. And what our fathers were worshipping, we just leave them behind us. So, there's no argument. You are saying something which is absolutely, utterly unacceptable. So there is no way of conversation. Bring us what you threaten us with, should you be truthful. And of course, they did not believe that he was truthful. Now, 
Now, of course, uh, quoting such a conversation, uh, we have to understand is just selecting the main parts of what went b between them. It is mentioned in the history that Hud was appointed as a prophet when he was 16 years old. And the Ad were destroyed when Hud was 120 years old. So for 104 years they were in constant conversation and argument with each other. And when we see, for example, in a, uh, four or five verses, a conversation between them is mentioned, it is just giving us the gist of what happened. The, the very conclusion of the arguments which went between them, between Hud and his people, and by people, as I said, we always mean the Mala. It was always the people in authority who had uh, such a conversation with their prophets. So, Allah he said there has become due against you a punishment and a wrath from your Lord. Now, usually the Exodus says that this which is in the past tense, there has become, there has fallen on you, is a uh, actually uh, signifying the punishment which were imminently coming upon them. So because it was quite imminent, it was very close and was surely going to happen, he said, And rich is, is a punishment which somehow shakes from the root everything, from ertijas means shaking, vibration. So wretched, they say, this is the type of punishment which completely destroys people from the roots. It shakes the roots of something. And this is adab al-istisal, of course. The adab which takes out the root and asl of something, of, of these nations. So, قَدْ عَلَيْكُمْ And غَضَب, of course, wrath. And wrath, of course, because they were completely going off the course of what they were created for. The other meaning that comes to, me, to mind is that this does not refer to punishment, but refers to the cause of punishment. And that is why it says, قَدْ alaykum." It has fallen upon you. And this wretch, what this wretch is, is when a group of people, they turn away from the Lord, they close their hearts and their minds to any type of reasonable argument about God, and then their hearts would become darkened and black completely. And this is wretched. Wretched in a literal sense means something which, when it comes and attaches to something, they want to separated from themselves because of its uh, horrible nature. And that's why human excrement is also called wretches. Uh, therefore, wretched is something which, when it comes and attaches to a person or to a people, they cannot have any hope of uh, salvation anymore. Now, look in other places of the Quran how this wretched is used. مَنْ يُرَدِ اللَّهُ أَنْ يَهْدِيَهُ يَشْرَحْ صَدْرَهُ لِلْإِسْلَامِ 
whoever Allah wants to guide, he would open his heart to submission, to submit to Allah. وَمَنْ يُرَدْ أَنْ يُضِلَّهُ And whoever he wishes to misguide. Well, we have discussed this elaborately before that what's the meaning of God misguiding people. Whoever he wishes to misguide, يَجْعَلْ سَطْرَهُ ذَيَّقًا حَرَجًا makes his heart tight and haraj is very tight so that nothing would enter it anymore and then it says in this way Allah would put rich on those who never rationally think and understand now it signifies two things. First of all, wretched is a type of punishment which comes to the heart. After you become so arrogant, after you transgress every limits of humanity, then that wretched comes. And it would darken the heart. It becomes something which is quite abhorrent. You would like to separate it from the heart, but it doesn't get separated. This is wretched. And secondly, this is not due to something which Allah does initially. Those who do not think and ponder and understand. They do not use their aql. If we do not use our aql, and especially our spiritual aql, then what happens? The wretched would come. And this wretched would follow with another wretched, which is physical punishment physical destruction. So even if we say that wretches here denotes physical destruction, it is actually entailing something which goes before it, and that is the spiritual wretches that Allah puts on people's hearts. And that is why they become qualified for the physical punishment. So, now, rest of course we explain what is ghadab, wrath, why wrath of Allah comes. Well, wrath of Allah comes if, of course, your style of life would become preventive of his rahmah to others. This is when the wrath comes. And this is why we say that wrath of Allah always is preceded by his rahmah. Ya man sabaqat rahmatuhu ghadabah. Oh, the one whose rahmah precedes his ghadab. That means his ghadab is actually caused by his rahmah. And this is a very important concept about God. Because usually we think, or people tell us, that your God is a very angry God. The Jews and Muslims' God is a very angry God. And he, he becomes uh, 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 provoked very quickly and he, he punishes. This is, of course, a superficial understanding of qadab, qadabullah. If your way of life prevents others to receive rahmah, then that brings wrath of God upon you. Because Allah wants to somehow, to his rahmah, to somehow reach just everyone. And this is why people actually are in the hell. Because of Allah, because if they are let loose, they prevent his rahmah to reach others. And that's why I, I, we have discussed this before. 
uh, I, I think elaborately, that why people are put in hell, because if they are let loose, they would destroy the life of others. If they are let into paradise, they would destroy paradise. And therefore, this wrath of God caused by his rahmah to his good people, of course. He has rahmah on them, he wants them to live uh, in his mercy. If someone wants to prevent that, then the ghadab comes. Now, why here ghadab would destroy people like art? Because if they continue to live, of course they would have, they would not have reproduced anyone, but they would let them to their own ways. And that is why, of course, Allah has wrath on them, that they should have been destroyed. It's the same thing as Nuh says about his people, My Lord, do not let any of these kafirun to live on the earth. Why? If you leave them, they would misguide your people. And they would not give birth to anyone but... Now, because we are not born Fajr or Kafar initially, it means that they would lead them to Kof, they would lead them to Fujur, to disobedience. So why should you leave them uh, on the earth? Of course, for the people who think that human being is the center of everything in this universe, for those people who think that human life is sacred regardless of everything else, this might seem a bit odd and strange, that why Allah should destroy some people. This is not according to his mercy or his rahmah. But if we think that human life is not restricted to this world only, human life expands to other uh, dimensions and other worlds and then what happens here would have great effect on what comes later on we understand that why certain people should be destroyed out of ghadabullah and as I said ghadab, this ghadab is caused by his mercy so which is punishment both physical and spiritual and ghadab has fallen upon you. Atujadilunani fi asma'in sammaytumuha antum wa'aba'ukum ma nazzalallahu biha min sultan fantadiru enni ma'akum min al-muntadirin. You dispute with me regarding names which you have named, you and your fathers, for which Allah has not sent down any authority. Now, this is a very forceful argument, of course. You have called names to be things behind which there is no reality. And this argument has been mentioned in the Quran in several occasions to say that sometimes human beings believe in things or act based on certain concepts and notions behind which there is no reality. And this especially about the idols. Now, for example, about the idols in Surah uh, An-Najm, Allah says, Uzza wa What do you say about Lat and Uzza and Manat, the, the idols which were worshipped by, uh, by, by Quraysh? Uh, you say these are daughters of God. But if one of you is given daughter, 
you become ashamed you are disgraced now look how have you become disfigured in your minds you say having a daughter is a disgrace but Allah has daughters we want sons this is a very unfair sort of distribution of male and female that you have made among yourselves it's actually ridiculing what they believed about daughters of God so and then he says these are just names you are calling to be aliha, you are calling to be gods there is no reality between, behind it it's what you and your fathers have called and gradually you have believed that this is true initially your fathers said something just out of their imagination and gradually you believe that is true but it's only names that you have given so remember when Yusuf was uh, uh, talking to his cellmates he also says you are not worshipping beside him but names behind which there is no reality you are just worshipping names you are not worshipping anything else and of course, if these names that you worship, uh, if there were concepts for which you had some proof from revelation, some proof from Allah, then we could say, okay, we, we think about it. But Allah has not sent down any proof for it. We said before, Sultan and Burhan, and Furqan, they all the same thing, but Sultan is a sort of proof which overwhelms other proofs, which defeats other proofs. That's what is called Sultan, because Sultan is the king with Sulta, with sovereignty. So a proof which has sovereignty other, over other proofs is called Sultan. Allah has not sent any proof for what you say. And therefore, of course, what they said, they said, bring what you are promising us, what you are threatening us with. He said, so wait. If this is the end of it, now this is after 104 years he was preaching, so we shouldn't rush and be hasty when we argue with other people that we think that with a couple of arguments, couple of nights, couple of weeks, couple of months, we want to convert people or convince people this is after 104 years Thamu, who, uh, sorry Hood is talking with Ad saying that okay wait for what you are uh, hasting for fantaderu inni ma'akum min al-muntadirin now inni ma'akum min al-muntadirin I'm also waiting along with you means that I have no power over what I have threatened you with I am waiting for it because Allah has told me that this will come. I wait, you wait, and we will see who will be the truthful one. فَأَنْجَيْنَاهُ وَالَّذِينَ مَعْهُ بِرَحْمَةٍ مِنَّا Inshallah, we'll leave this for next week. وَصَلَّى اللَّهَ عَلَى مُحَمَّدٍ وَعَلَيْهِ الطَّاهِرِينَ Thank you very much. Uh, we now have some time for questions after. Are there any questions? Thank <laughs> you.
Assalamu alaikum, Sheikh. Um, you mentioned this word ritz, and I'm sure you've mentioned it before, but can you please elaborate between the difference between ritz and nits, between najis and rajis? Well, they say that uh, najis is usually to denote physical uh, impurity, and ritz is usually used to denote spiritual impurity. And that's why azab is called rich as well because it, it is caused by spiritual impurity. But, uh, but then here it was compared to a physical impurity like excrement. This is what the confusion was. Because that should be nidge, not rich. Yeah, uh, well, of course, human excrement is nudges, but it's rich in the sense that if it is attached to something, we want to separate it. In that sense, it's, it's sort of azab. On, on human being. That's why. And sometimes they are used interchangeably as well. Yeah. And that's why uh, for shaitan we say, A'udhu billahi min ar-rajsan najs al-habith al-mukhbath. We use both words for shaitan. Yeah. Uh, just a quick question. Like you said, Prophet Noah and all the animals, yes? Is that. Is there much difference in the story of the Bible story in the Quran? Is it very different or exactly similar or not much The Bible's story is quite elaborate and talking about types of animals and all these things. Of course, Quran does not go into such details. Uh, however, what we understand is that uh, taking the animals on board was not to, uh, to somehow to save the, the species. It was for them to take these animals with them so that when they land, they have these animals to, uh, to breed and to reproduce so that they have livestock. And therefore, maybe the idea that the Bible mentions every type of animal they took is somehow exaggerated. This is what I understand. Thank, thank you very much for the lecture. Sheikh, I just need a little bit of explanation about when you said the wrath of Allah comes to people when their way of life prevents the mercy of God reaching others. And that the wrath is in fact a mercy from God. And I can understand when you said that people would think that uh, it's strange to find how that comes from mercy because why are people dying? But then it's part of if you consider it part of an extended life, then that makes sense. Yeah. But really, to understand how people's way of life <coughs> prevents the mercy reaching others. Yeah. For example, if, uh, if a nation, if a people, nurtures certain ideas, and they are very adamant about it, uh, very emphatic about it, so that they actually bring up their children according to those ideas so that they would not let and if anyone talks anything against it they would torture them, kill them or oppose them therefore what happens is that any child coming to this world after this after this sort of uh, uh, consolidation of misguidance then they will be misguided they do not have the opportunity to choose. They do not have the opportunity to, for falah. And therefore, it would prevent the mercy of Allah to reach these newborn children. That is how their life would become 
prevention for mercy to reach others. And also, for example, if there are a group of people who who are ruthless towards others, they extinguish other nations, they uh, terminate the lives of other people, they become, again, uh, a sort of obstacle to Allah's mercy to reach others. In this way as well, a people could be obstacles on the way of mercy. And there are many other ways that we can think about it. Yeah, thank you, Riaz. Uh, now, the, continuing from this uh, question and your answer, um, as you mentioned, there are groups who destroy others and uh, prevent mercies of Allah's reaching to others. Now, even if we are trying to engage with these groups, uh, they are so adamant that they, that they don't want to engage in discussion as to why they are carrying out, they just want to impose their own will, uh, thinking that they are uh, carrying out uh, uh, Allah's mission in their own, the way they have understood. And uh, uh, then how do we approach, uh, because then their action is preventing Allah's mercy on even other normal, ordinary believers, non-believers, so how do we come across or how do we approach and try to resolve these problems? Well, you see what happened between prophets and their people. They said, bring us what you threaten us with, and they said, okay, wait, we wait we, along with you. That means this is the, 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 the breakage of all sorts of communication and argument. Now, of course, uh, when we talk about this, we talk about a whole people going like that. Nowadays, we don't have this in our societies. We are living in mixed societies, believers, non-believers, those who, uh, who are guided, those who are misguided. So no such a sort of clear-cut distinction in any society we can have so that then we have the ghadab of Allah coming. And that's why you hear that in traditions that, for example, if in a city there are a few people who are good and who are actually calling other people to mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, then the the wrath of Allah does not come on those uh, uh, cities or on those societies. I think one very important aspect that we have to always bear in mind is that Allah is not hasty in his wrath or in, 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 in when it comes to such destructions. These are exceptional cases which happen and Allah has left us to argue with each other, to try to convince each other and that's how people show their inner uh, tendencies towards Allah, towards uh, Kofr. This is how it happens, and this is why we, are, we live in mixed societies. And these examples, these very exceptional examples, are brought to our mind to show that if really a society comes to this position in which there is this very, very solid, clear-cut uh, prevention of guidance going into that society, then the destruction will come. Otherwise, I don't think in our societies this is the case. So we have to be patient, we have to argue, we have to put our arguments. 
And also what is more important is that we shouldn't think that everyone would accept our argument, even inside our families. You remember the son of Nu or the wife of Lut, even inside our families. What is our responsibility is to whatever we understand in terms of the guidance of the prophets, we just mention it to people, even among our families. If they want to accept, they accept. If they don't want, it's not in our hand. You do not guide anyone you wish. Allah guides anyone he wishes. So that is our duty, I think. Um, back uh, in the Quran there's lots of examples of earthquakes for example as a punishment to certain types of people I was wondering whether today earthquakes or hurricanes, floods is that Allah's wrath on the people or is it just something natural as I have said before this, uh, this is not something that we can somehow uh, uh, extrapolate from those examples to today's or, or, or whatever happens in the history in terms of earthquakes and, uh, and other destructive sort of natural causes. Uh, as for example, Allah uses certain natural causes to punish some people, he may have used those natural causes to bring blessing to other people as well. And uh, uh, the, the example is the rain that they usually say. The potter is always angry with rain. The farmer is always happy with rain. So this is, this is how Allah's natural causes work. Some people are unhappy with it. Some people are happy with it. When a people are destroyed, they are destroyed by natural causes. But that doesn't mean every time a natural cause is there, there is a destruction, there is a punishment. It may happen for many, many different reasons. And in these cases, in the Quran, sometimes, for example, about the wind, uh, which destroyed art, we have in tradition that that wind, that type of wind, that specific type of wind, has happened in history only once. So you may, you, you see that this was absolutely an exceptional case. We have hurricanes, we have winds coming, destroying houses and these things. But in this case, the traditions say that this happened only once in history. Although it was a natural cause, but this natural cause never has destroyed any other people. So, in conclusion, to, to cut it short, we cannot judge on these issues. These are natural causes. Allah may use it to punish people and they may happen just as a matter of course. When you just said it's happened once in life in history that destroyed by wind, which country was that and when did it happen? No, these people of art. People of art. In Surah Tahrim, Fakanatahuma, how wife of Noah betray her husband? In which way? Now, this Khanatama betrayal is not, of course, in terms of their relations. I know. Yeah. Well, they actually sided with the kuffar. They took, they took the, uh, the secrets of the house of Nu to kuffar. And this is how they betrayed them, both Lut and Nu's wives. Yeah. Manzar. <laughs> 
uh, in the ayat at here it says innama this word of rich in this ayat uh, in what context it exactly the same thing the spiritual impurity the spiritual impurity and uh, that means there is always some spiritual impurity in our hearts and if allah completely takes it out we will become masumin we will become people with pure pure hearts So in terms of Ahlul Bayt inma yuridullah liyuzhaba ankum rijsa Ahlul Bayt it means that Allah has wished has willed to take away the rich from you Ahlul Bayt and especially regarding this verse because this verse is a point of argument between Shia and Sunni because very rightly the Sunni our Sunni brothers Sunni scholars argue that this verse is about wives of the prophet the context look at the context look at the uh the arguments in the surah it's about wives of the prophet why you just take this verse out of the context and say that it's about the ayma now the answer is that yes i also believe that this is about wives of the prophet in that context not only wives of the prophet about ahlul bayt and ahlul bayt are those who are in the household of the prophet now his wives his children his grandchildren these are all ahlul bayt of the prophet however what allah mentions in this verse is that you remember whatever is recited in your houses that is the, the revelation what qurnama yutla tutla fi buyutikunna min ayatillahi wal hikmah inma yuridullah now allah wishes to do this but this is not a one-sided this is not a one-sided process it's a two-sided process so allah wills with regard to ahlul bayt of the prophet there should be a will from the other side as well there should be an attempt from the other side as well and for the ahlul bayt there is a special will to remove the wretches however not all ahlul bayts are qualified for this only those who have actually proaction from their side as well and this is why the prophet peace be on him defined this ahlul bayt from whom the wretches is taken away that not from every member of ahlul bayt the rest was taken but from a certain member of ahlul bayt who had somehow taken a step themselves and therefore i think uh we have to concede and accept the fact that this verse is general inma yuridullah liyuthaba ankum rijsa ahlul bayt however although allah wills is in the same way that allah says inma yuridullahu liyutahhirakum allah wants to purify you everyone of the mu'minin allah wills to purify however not everyone will be qualified for that and in the same way every member of ahlul bayt allah wills to take rest away from them because these are these are ahlul bayt of the prophet however not everyone will be qualified for that and the prophet mentioned who are those from whom the rest is removed any more questions yeah manzur just because uh, you mentioned that the prophet mentioned uh, from home just to make it complete if you can say uh, when uh, it is mentioned and who is mentioned in this yeah of course uh, in hadith qisa which is uh, reported uh, in uh, most authentic sunni and shi'i books of course we have different versions of hadith qisa there's a longer version shorter version the shorter version is mentioned in all authentic books of sunni and shi'i that 
uh, Fatima, peace be on her, and Ali Hassan and Hussein, peace be on them, they were, the Prophet took them under his, his aba, under his, uh, his cloth, his, his clothing, and then he said, Allahumma ha'ula ahl bayti, these are my ahlul bayt from which you have taken away the wretches. So he defined them, and then of course the descendants of Hussein, as are defined in, in many traditions, are from the ahlul bayt from whom the wretch is removed. Are there any more questions? I think we'll end that thing. Thank you. Salawat. Allahumma salli ala Muhammad.